Welcome to my Helping Hands podcast number four. My name is Gail Louise Turner. My guest today is Emily Gearing, a life coach and founder of the Rest Easy Method. You can follow Emily on Facebook on the Rest Easy Method. There is a Spotify music playlist to accompany this episode. You can find it on Spotify under Gail Louise Turner, Helping Hands podcast playlist number four, Emily Gearing. Now, Emily, tell me how you actually made up the method for Rest Easy and what was the inspiration for this? Hi, Gail. Thanks for having me on. It's so great to be here. Um, Yeah, basically, my inspiration for Rest Easy came from growing up with social anxiety and body dysmorphic disorder. So I really struggled when I was a teen and I didn't really know how to manage my emotions. I used to feel quite down. I had a lot of anxiety around being around other people. Um, It mainly stemmed from being quite quietly spoken. So people could never hear me in loud groups. So I just kind of gave up really having an opinion and talking and stuff. And also I had massive issues around my body image. So I was really, really self-conscious to the point where I would avoid doing things or going places or I would absolutely cake loads and loads of makeup on um, it's like camouflage almost and um, I didn't know that it was an issue at the time I just thought that I was shy and quiet and then as I got older obviously I started working on myself understanding um, mental health I realized that that's what I've been suffering with and I was just basically on a mission to prevent mental illness in the future for young people. So I created the method um, using life coaching elements, mindfulness, positive psychology, and some kind of trying to build up resilience, build up empathy, um, develop emotional intelligence really, because I think, you know, at school we're taught about all our academic stuff and everything, but we're not taught about how to manage our emotions. And then when we're teenagers and we have these big waves of emotions, we don't know where to go with that. So I just decided that there needed to be a really simple methodology that kids could use and that they could learn from an early age that would hopefully prevent mental illness in the future. So um, I created Rest Easy, it's an acronym for recognise emotions, stop, think, engage awareness and support yourself. And I was originally just teaching mindfulness and I absolutely loved that, it was really nice. Um, But I felt that there needed some kind of life coaching elements to it um, to make it a bit more um, usable and practical and easy to remember. So uh, I was delivering private uh, Rest Easy workshops to groups of um, kind of 12 year olds and younger and then I was asked into a school to uh, deliver that in the run up to SATS and I put together the methodology then in a more memorable phrase and in between times I attended the mental health debate at the House of Commons and they were asking for innovative approaches to mental health in schools. So I put it forward as a proposal and it got um, backed by Parliament Street. So that was really great. Um, And then we started rolling it out basically in June 2018. So it's coming up for two years now that we've been delivering it in schools. And yeah, it's just been a dream come true really. So you talk about schools and obviously that's where your, your rest easy method has been used. But I want to take you back now to, to your childhood because obviously your inspiration now is to get that message to schools. But what was your childhood like? Yeah, I mean, it was really lovely. I did have a really supportive family network. The thing was that I moved schools a lot. We moved um, house about five times. I went to five different schools between the age of four to 11. So I did really struggle to fit in and um, like I say, because I've got a quiet voice, I never really used to kind of speak up or anything like that and really I had the belief that what 
I had to say wasn't really very important and no one could really hear anyway. And I basically just, it was that struggling to fit in. And on our final house move, um, I got a really good best friend, she was lovely. And then unfortunately she moved to Australia. So just before I was going to high school, I, I didn't really have that kind of close bond of friendship. So I think I just felt a bit lost and a bit overwhelmed at high school. And, you know, that was a time when my anxiety was sort of heightened anyway. You know, around that time you are sort of feeling more self-conscious just generally as a teenager. And, um, yeah, my body dysmorphic disorder was kind of coming on a bit more. Obviously, I didn't know what it was at the time. But my issues were, um, I used to get really rosy cheeks. And obviously, in high school, boys think it's funny to pick on you if you're getting embarrassed or whatever. And people go, oh, no, you're going really red. And then it would just make it even worse. So I then started really getting into makeup and, like, piling makeup on and stuff. Um, but, you know, I think it became quite habitual and a bit of a um, ritual around getting ready. So what I would do would be, like, put my makeup on, do my hair a certain way, um, put my uniform on a certain way and if I did something different any day so if I did I don't know my mascara before my eyeshadow or something I was convinced I'd have a bad day and now I know that's uh, all part of kind of OCD and of obsessive thinking and compulsions and rituals and things like that are really linked with mental illness so now looking back, I realised that I really struggled to get a perspective and I did feel really, really down at times, um, really, really into the, like I say, kind of avoided big social groups, would feel really overwhelmed at parties or um, family gatherings and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had wonderful uh, grandparents who used to go down to their house uh, down south and they had a gorgeous garden and they used to sit on the swing in the um, corner of their garden and just kind of daydream and just kind of forget everything really. And now, in hindsight, that was actually mindful mindfulness because I used to sit there and look at the trees and listen to the birds and stuff. But again, I didn't really know what that was. But I knew it felt really calm and nice and tranquil. So I think it's been weird because I've had all these indicators all through my life, but I've never really, until obviously more recently, sort of understood it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you've got you've had the signs there all along, but until you sort of uh, delved deep into it and looked and sort of the bigger picture, you you kind of didn't realise um, how much relevance it it was in your life. Um, but I would like to know what your your inspiration was. Um, so just to tell the listeners, um, I know Emily as a life coach, but also a fellow Redshift radio presenter. But we're now making podcasts, and for me, you were the first person I would come to for advice. Actually, oh, you. you was, uh, and I know we, we we talk a lot, but for me you are my inspiration but I would like to know who who is your inspiration for, for your life story so you've talked about going back to your your childhood but through through your life is there any music or quotes that have like really um had a relevance in your life and, and how's it helped you yeah definitely thanks so much for saying that honestly you're an inspiration to me as well you've just overcome so much and it's brilliant what you're doing now with the podcasting and it's just going to help so many people so it's great um but yeah, I think for me, it's always about hope, just having, finding that hope. And I think I've just always been really, really um, determined and kind of on a mission to find a better way. And I think, yeah, some of the quotes like Meghan Markle said um, that life isn't just about surviving, it's about thriving. And I think for a long time, I was definitely just surviving. Um, I went through some really difficult relationships when I was a teenager and I was living in fear. They were like uh, violent relationships and I was constantly in fear and I was in that survival mode. And now we understand that, um, you know, it's not sustainable to be in that kind of fear state for so long. And ultimately it has an impact on your mental well-being. So... I think just understanding that 
there is a difference between surviving and thriving. And thriving is that, you know, living life to the full. Um, but also, it's not just about like ultimate happiness and everything. It's like on a day to day basis, how can you just feel safe and calm? And I think for me, that's been the ultimate because when I first started getting into self development, it was like I was on a bit of a mission to have this wonderful, happy life. You know, you see all these gurus doing these amazing things, and you think, you've got to live like full of energy and full of life and that's actually not realistic what we've got to do is just feel safe feel safe in ourselves and have moments of calm and when we have that we just indicate to our minds and our bodies and our nervous system that everything's okay and that brings us out of survival and then we can shift into this way of kind of surviving and then a big thing for me was because I had so many body issues and sort of self-conscious about my appearance, um, I used to change how I looked quite regularly. And, um, you know, I'd try and fit in with different groups and stuff. And one of my partners, um, I was probably a bit of a geek, you would say, you know, um, but one of my uh, first boyfriends was quite trendy. So I changed a lot to be more trendy, but I never really felt like I fitted in. And um, one of the quotes that I love is from um, Coco Chanel that says, the beauty begins the moment you decide to be yourself. And I think that's the thing that, you know, I would cake on all this makeup, wear all these clothes, trying to fit in. But at the moment, I just let go of all that and just became me that's when the beauty unfolds so it's like that inner kind of self-acceptance and self-love and stuff um but somebody more recently that i've been really inspired by is a lady called brenny brown and she really talks about belonging and ultimately for me that's what it was it's like this sense of belonging uh that i really kind of didn't feel that i had and what I realised is I was looking for it externally. So I was looking to belong in groups or, um, you know, this sense of belonging in a community. But actually, you've got to feel like you belong in yourself. And once you feel that, then everything else changes. So she's brilliant. Yeah, she's done a really good book called um, Daring Greatly. And um, Braving the Wilderness is really good. Uh, so yeah I think she's a real inspiration um, and also I read a really good book called Playing Big by Tara Moore and basically I think a lot of women live like this we kind of play small and we shrink ourselves to fit in and again that's about the sense of belonging and things and you know we have that perception of people thinking who does she think she is, you know, having a radio show? Who does she think she is running these courses or making videos or whatever? Um, and actually, we're trying to shrink ourselves to keep ourselves small. So this playing big is about you kind of coming out of that, feeling small, knowing that you've got a message to deliver and you have to play a bit bigger to do that. So it's basically kind of overcoming all your ego stuff which is quite fear-based, quite negative. Um, it, ego is always worrying about what other people think. Um, whereas you come into more of a soul relationship, more of a relationship with your inner self. And you actually, when you have those moments of reflection and those moments of quietness, you can tap into your inner voice. And that's where you've got all this knowledge but the ego brings all this chatter and it doesn't allow ourselves to just be with like our inner wisdom. So that playing big is basically getting in touch with your inner wisdom and there's an amazing meditation in it where you meet yourself in 20 years and you kind of ask yourself how you got from where you are to where they are and you get a feeling of their presence and they give you a gift um, and it's really really interesting to kind of think about yourself in the future and what would you want to achieve and ultimately 
if you have some goals and you have some plans, what do you need to be doing now to achieve it? Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're kind of like, in a way you're manifesting, but you're looking at the bigger picture, like in, for example, like a vision board. This is where I would like to be in 20 years time. And these are the plan, like an action plan that you yeah. put in place to get there. I absolutely love that. That's such a great plan that is. Um, I know you are a planner, um, but um, we looked at personality profiles once, didn't we? Yeah. And, and I think, were you um, an INTJ? Um, you're an introvert, aren't you? Yeah, I'm INFP. So... I'm actually going with the flow, but I really love routine. Routine helps me to feel really, really safe. Um, and especially when I had the kids, um, I did this contented little baby routine um, and it was a book. It was really good. Um, but I realized that's what I needed just to help me to feel safe. And it's interesting because, yeah, the more I've got um, older, I do like a plan. I like things to go according to plan. But if I've got too many plans on, it makes me kind of overwhelmed. But yeah, I'm definitely an introvert. And that's what I just realised that I didn't understand when I was younger. And I'd be labelled as shy and quiet and all these things. Um, But actually, I'm just an introvert. And it's absolutely fine to want time on our own and time away from others. That helps us to top up our energy. And then on the opposite side, there's extroverts who really need that... um, stimulation of being around other people and then you've got ambivert who like a bit of both so you know obviously really crave that time on their own but also really want to be around others so yeah for me knowing my personality was a really really big turning point and knowing so i is introvert n is intuitive f is feeling and p is perceiving so kind of uh yeah going with the flow a bit more perceiving things feeling things and having that intuition so that's how I navigate life and it's all based on how I feel and um, you know that can be difficult sometimes because when we feel things deeply if we're empathetic it can really um, you know hurt deeply if people upset us Um, so we've talked about that before haven't we being empaths absolutely we feel we feel all those emotions and we can understand i mean for me and you know this um i will look at somebody and i know how they're feeling and a mm-hmm. sort of natural lie detector um yeah. and it's really difficult because you just think to yourself can you just tell me the truth please because i want to help you but if, if you're lying to me you feel like you don't want to help them because because you know you see th- um right through them don't you but being that yeah. empath is hard it's really definitely and i think it's that authenticity that is really, really key. Um, And it's interesting because through life I've sort of realized that maybe at times I've been around some people that might have been a bit more fake or um, you start to see things differently. And definitely what I've understood through working on myself and looking at mental health and looking at this arena is that there's some narcissism, narcissistic behaviour out there and my two violent relationships were definitely with narcissists. They were very controlling um, and one of the definitions of narcissism is they have no empathy and unfortunately they prey on empathetic people. So um, they can do it in different ways through like um, being passive aggressive or manipulative or controlling. And basically, they try to make you think you're crazy. So they make you doubt yourself. And that's what I experienced a lot. Um, You know, it would always be like, well, you've misinterpreted what I said, or no one's ever said that to me. It's just you. Um, No one ever thinks that. It's just you. So you start to really doubt yourself. And um, especially because I had all my hang-ups about my body image, like my partners would say well no one else will want you and things like that so you feel really dependent on them and um yeah what they do it's called gaslighting basically so they and it like you say it's kind of the lying coming in they say things that they miss out a lot of truth or they twist things and um they just basically make you doubt yourself all the time and that's where there's a real link with mental illness because if you can't trust yourself, 
then you you really really stuck so you know you can't trust them you get a, a sense you can't trust them but they make you doubt yourself and they make you feel you can't trust yourself and I think that is just the worst thing ever if you feel you can't trust yourself especially if you're an empathetic intuitive feeling person because you navigate life through how you feel and if you don't know how you feel about yourself it's a real struggle so um yeah there's some i think understanding narcissism was a real turning point for me because i realized that there's traits and now i can look at relationships or if i meet somebody i might just kind of suss it out understand what's going on and look at are any of these traits coming through and if they are straight away I just get this gut feeling of like you know I'm just gonna be a bit more guarded here do you know what I, I mean I do yeah I suppose so your your uh, if I'm if I may say bad life experiences has given you the experience and knowledge to help others given that a little bit of extra helping hand so when you do do your life coaching for example you can use them skills to sort of give people advice on on how to deal with with narcissism and do you feel that you've probably in the past you've pushed people away because you felt like you are pleasing others um, and you had no sense of self because because of that narcissistic behavior you felt like you needed to push people away and then you lost yourself and then maybe with your rest easy you, you found yourself again yeah yeah that makes sense I think I mean it's scary navigating sort of life and coming out with your story I found that really really scary because I was really worried about being judged um but what I've realized is it's I was worried about people thinking I was weak and actually it's made me a lot stronger and what happens is when you're weak you attract these controlling people because ultimately they need narcissistic supply so your weakness makes them stronger so they basically suck all the goodness out of you and you're just left completely like bereft because you're just like I don't know who I am, I don't know what's right, I don't know what to believe in and um, it's funny you were talking about songs because one of the songs is Share and um, Believe and it's Do You Believe in Life After Love? And that I used to play all the time after I split up with one of my silent partners. And um, I just used to, you know, dance my head off thinking, yeah, I'm free. And it's this freedom to be yourself. But if you don't know who you are, it's really, really difficult. So, and it can feel overwhelming. So at you know, owning your story is really key. Um, and that can be really, really hard because you have to look back on your story and accept some responsibility, you know, that's difficult. And not always blame others. And I think that's really a turning point in sort of self-development is you can get very bitter and angry. And it's all part of the process. But you can't stay in that blame uh, sort of area because it makes you a victim. And one of the big things that I learned about was Cartman Drama Triangle. And there has to be different dynamics in that role for drama to perpetuate. And ultimately, what role are you playing in that? And if you feel like a victim, then it's because someone's probably persecuting you and then you look for a rescuer so what was happening in my relationships is I felt like a victim I was being persecuted by them but then they made themselves my rescuer so in that no one else will want you sort of phrase I'd be like well I have to stay with them because oh my gosh they're amazing to me and they're looking after me and they understand me and they give you all this called love bombing they give you all this uh, affection and you know, they make you think that you're the best thing ever to happen to them, but then they slowly undermine you. And once they've got to that stage where you're questioning things, then they'll love them again. So they'll make you feel really good again. So you're just in this cycle of drama. Um, but actually the turning point is when you start feeling like a victim. So the only time you can do that is when you start blaming others and you own your story and you take responsibility for your part. So I was just like, okay, yeah, this has happened to me. Totally, it's been horrible, but what can I do now to prevent that in the future? So 
one of the big things about Rest Easy is um, trying to help everybody, but boys especially, to recognise their emotions so that we can prevent domestic violence in the future or prevent abuse or prevent any sort of controlling behaviours. And I know it can happen, women can be controlling to men as well. So it's not just boys, but obviously my life experience was controlling men. So um, what I want to do is, is help encourage everybody to talk about their emotions, have that emotional intelligence to really understand what what's going on for them, why are they feeling it, and how can they support themselves. And that's the key in a lot of kind of, like I was saying, the self-development. It's about empowering yourself to support yourself and not being reliant on others. Um, because what can happen in these controlling relationships is it creates codependency. So you're in a very dependent relationship and ultimately that you know, crushes your independence. But to be empowered and to support yourself means you're not going to be looking to blame others. You're going to understand yourself, your personality, you're going to be able to fulfill your needs so that you don't have to rely on other people. And this is the thing with narcissists, is that it's called narcissistic supply. They crave other people to top up their ego, basically. Um, but if we can empower young people to be what they need themselves, they're not going to seek it from others and they're not going to drain other people of their energy. So, um, as you know, this um, interview um, has a Spotify playlist to accompany it. And I'll, yeah. just, I'll just tell the listeners what it is. To find Emily's um, Spotify playlist on Spotify, um, you need to go to Gail Louise Turner, Helping Hands Podcast Playlist number four. And Emily Gearing's name is right at the end. And there's a few songs on there uh, which, which actually support Emily's podcast. Um, you've already mentioned the Believe and Share one. But you've um, also mentioned Cindy Lauper and Good Enough. So have you didn't think you were good enough because of the narcissistic behaviour? Have you had that lasting impression you're not good enough? And, and how did you change that? Yeah, so that song just really reminds me of the Goonies film and it was really fun film and really carefree and stuff. But yeah, that not feeling good enough, especially that no one else would want me was the really big thing. So I felt really, really trapped. And... Um, I think feeling trapped is really difficult because you don't feel strong enough to be on your own. And that's, again, you know, a really empowering um, point to get to. It's quite transformational that if you can love yourself enough, then you've got enough love to give to everyone else. But if you're really lacking in love for yourself, you're craving it from everyone else. So there's a phrase that is, um, your happiness is too precious to put in other people's hands. And that's the thing, I think, once you realise that other people can't make you happy, you have to make yourself happy. That's when everything changes. So you are totally good enough, just the way you are. And it takes a lot of healing to get to that point. But it is absolutely transformational. So yeah, that song's just like really fun. Um, and just, yeah, just kind of helps you feel uplifted. Um, and then Lady is, uh, was my wedding song. So uh, when I met my husband, I realized that I could be loved just for me, just the way I am. And that was just so lovely. And Lady was our song, it was out at the time. Um, and yeah, it's just, again, a really good uplifting song. But again, he used to kind of sing it to me, which is really nice. And I think just knowing that you can be loved deeply um, and allow that, because what happens is when we've been in negative relationships before, we put up our guard and we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to let people see that um, side of us because we think that's being weak and we're scared of being hurt again. But until you can be vulnerable, and this is another big thing uh, that Brené Brown talks about, being vulnerable is actually a strength. And it's really key because we've got to learn. You know, we don't understand life. We're not given a roadmap or anything. We have to learn by our mistakes. And 
I always say about lessons and blessings. So if something's happened to you, just give yourself a chance to pause and just say, what's the lesson that I can take from this? And once you understand the lesson, then you get the blessing. So yeah, kind of just navigating life in a way of like, well, it's cultivating um, kind of awareness and intrigue. So instead of trying to control everything, just looking at things from an observational point of view, I mean, that's a real big principle of mindfulness. Um, so just kind of what's going on here, things like that. And then, yeah, my absolute anthem is High Hopes. I used to play this on Registers all the time um, by Panic at the Disco. And there's a phrase in it that says, I didn't have a dime, but I always had a vision. And after I split up with my um, last violent partner, um, I'd put a lot of money into the house and kind of basically left without anything. And I really was like, what am I going to do? I ended up... Um, renting a flat but I couldn't really afford it so I moved back to my parents and I think it was during that time I just realized there was another way I didn't know what the other way was but I was just absolutely determined to make something of myself and it was really really difficult it took a lot of years um, and the path wasn't clear and I think this is something for people to be aware of if you're into self-development you get to a point and you go, oh, this is the answer, this is it, this is what I needed to find. And you do, and that's great, and you find it for a bit, and then something else happens, and then you go on another uh, journey of discovery. And I did so much training and learned so many different things um, along the time. And just high hopes, just have that hope, just that vision, knowing it's going to get better really is my biggest message I would say to people, just always keep hope in mind yeah i mean do you think things happen for a reason because you're talking there about having that high hope and sort of faith that things will get better because you go down that journey i feel like i'm at that stage and i'm not quite sure what what i'll do and i feel like i'm putting all these feelers out and not being quite successful um and so is it is it the right thing to keep having faith that things will happen in the order they're meant to happen yeah and and be patient with it definitely Patience is a real challenge and it's again one of the principles of mindfulness and I'm a very impatient person but I think looking at it as a journey instead of a destination you know that's a big uh, phrase isn't it it's all about the journey but you know having the ultimate goal in mind so your 20-year vision of how you want to be and then being open to how that um kind of shows itself um, because there's so much growth to happen along the way and if we don't go through those um, sort of stages we don't heal so every stage is a stage for healing and I just really think it is about when bad things happen just start be mindful and just say what's the lesson to take from this and if there's a number of things that keep repeating themselves so it becomes a bit of a habit so how can I break this cycle and that's really key so I would just say to people you know like observe what's going on and then can you see any patterns and if there's any patterns I would then it's difficult but I would say what's my role in this you know what am I responsible for and then anything else just let it go because otherwise we're trying to control, aren't we? Um, and that's really, really hard. But allowing yourself to be vulnerable is really difficult. And, you know, I think what you're doing with this podcast is going to really help. And then, you know, you're going to get bits of information from all different people and you never know where that will take you. So I think it is a path of self-discovery, isn't it? And it's not always clear. It can be very, very bumpy, but it's always worth it. Yeah, because I don't know if you've listened to my podcast number one where it was just me. I explained about all this little bits of information that I've learned through either study or life lessons that you can use it in today's situation. So um, I know I'm 36 at the weekend and everything that everybody said to me or I've learned, I feel like I'm using it now in either my radio or, or speaking to people and helping to people. And I mean, I work in retail, 
but like you and myself there is people there who who actually want to help people and unfortunately society thinks this is this is wrong this people don't want to help people but there is there's people out there who want to help people hence why i'm doing the podcast to get your stories out there i think it's really really important and maybe with this coronavirus and the fact that we're self-isolated i know i'm working but there's a lot of people at home and you're using your time differently now aren't you to help people and using uh, different ways of doing things and maybe that's the reset that society needed and might, we might become uh, a little bit less selfish from it what do you think about that yeah i definitely think so and happy birthday for the weekend i didn't know that that's like um yeah i think it's interesting i watched a program dispatches last night and it was saying we've got to be careful that we don't um kind of lose trust in other people because you know at the moment other people are a threat to our health aren't they you know we don't want to get too close to them um and that's something i think in this mental health arena going forward that we're going to have to really give the message that people are still safe once it's safe to do so obviously and also i think you know i'm a hugger i love hugging and hugging releases oxytocin and it makes you feel good and have that connection and if we lose that you know physical connection that's going to be a problem but I think in amongst all that like you say there's so much good to come from it and um, there's so much that it's about society isn't it it's society coming together and there's so many pockets of opportunity and excitement and you know sharing which is just brilliant of that yeah I mean by opportunity I mean opportunity to come together and to share um, so I do feel that, I mean, for me, mindfulness is, is absolutely everything. It's like, there's so many good principles to it. And it's all about being curious and observing and being patient and not trying to control things and not trying to strive for an outcome. And in education with like Ofsted and, you know, just the way the whole world has gone, it's striving for something all the time. We're always striving for the next thing. And we're never actually just accepting of the moment and what we've got to be grateful for. And, you know, I think it is, it's really difficult, difficult, challenging times. But again, what lessons can we take from it? Um, and also all the stuff with the environment, you know, that's going to be brilliant that it's almost like something like this needed to happen so that we can literally save the world, you know, the physical planet. Um, because I think people had underestimated the impact of that. Um, so yeah, it's really difficult, struggling times, but I think there's a lot, if you look for the good, you can definitely find it. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if you know much about planets and things like that. Um, did you know the planets are in alignment at the moment? I read somewhere and the, yeah. in the same alignment that they were in World War Two back in 1939 um, uh, to 45. Yeah. So um, at the start of World War II, um, I mean, we said in the Great War, we're not going to have another war. And then 1939, we had the Second World War and, and the planets are in the same alignment. Um, what does that tell you? Gosh, I don't really know much about planets, to be honest. Um, I hear about Mercury retrograde when things are going, everything sort of uh, gets messed up with technology and things. But I think there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, that understanding. And also, uh, like the full moon, I know um, we used to have a friend who was a bouncer, and he said on the full moon, everyone would always be, like, really kind of loud and there'd be more... Um, aggression and stuff in nightclubs uh, so I think yeah I mean tides and moons and stuff it, I don't really know much about it but I know that it obviously has an impact and that energy of the full moon I can definitely feel um, but that's really interesting I didn't know that about the planet yeah it's amazing what I read I read a lot of information rubbish information but sometimes it, it comes in useful so are you taking this because I know you're self-isolating at home with your your kids and your husband are you yeah. using this to your advantage are you what plans have you got in place because obviously you, you can't go out and do your rest easy to schools and businesses what what are you what you're working on at the moment now this has been forced on you yeah so basically I've taken everything online now so I'm really lucky that I've got um, a methodology that can be taught online 
So I've created um, a membership site. So there's step-by-step -step tutorials, there's posters, there's worksheets, activities. I've got a Rest Easy Radio podcast. So um, yeah, I'm just basically delivering Rest Easy um, virtually. So I've created the website, which is resteasymethod.com. And like I say, people can sign up for membership. I'm doing a 50% off as an introductory rate and obviously over coronavirus. So uh, it's only five pounds a month. It's not expensive. Um, and you get all the rest easy support on there. And then what will happen is it's like a minimum four months sign up. So over each month, you would then get the next session. So there's four sessions. Um, and then any schools that we're working with at the moment, we're offering that at 75% discount. So that's only £2.50 a month. But obviously that's just for the staff and the parents and the grandparents of the schools that we work with. Um, but also we've got our Rest Easy Method Facebook page. So some of our coaches are um, posting videos on there and tips. Um, so as Rest Easy, we've got eight coaches now and we go out to schools training up staff and doing parent workshops. Obviously we can't do that at the moment. So yeah, we're trying to post useful tips on there. So if anyone wants to reach out or anything, they can get in touch through um, the Rest Easy Method Facebook page. Also on Instagram, it's Rest Easy Training. That's our training side of the business where we work with businesses as well. Um, so I've got a business who are just buying membership for 100 staff. Um, so that's really an opportunity for businesses to support the well-being of their staff as well during these difficult times. So yeah, I mean, I've been really busy, I have to say, the last three weeks just getting everything ready and recording videos. And because I had all my issues around my body when I was younger, it's difficult, like, being recorded, you know, I, all that ego comes in of like, what will people think? And, but I've just kind of gone, do you know what? The, the need is more important than the fear. So I just got to get over myself and get it out there. <laughs> and I think, I think that's, I mean, um, I've, I know I've done it recently. I've deleted people off Facebook who I don't want to actually see this work I'm doing. I've just had a massive clear out of Facebook and block people and things because I feel this work is really important and you know what people who you're going to take with you. So I think for me, I pushed a lot of people away and I know you have as well because mm -hmm. you do get that little bit of ego. You think, oh no, they're not going to like it. They're going to diss it. And then I'm going to feel awful about it. But actually we're here to help people. And that's the whole point. And if then people can't support us and, and they're not nice people really, we know now for them not to be in our lives um so i'm i'm so pleased that you, you you've used the sort of coronavirus to, to help people so what's what's your future now is there any sort of quotes or songs that are helping you through this tough time at the moment and what's the future for yourself your family and rest easy and your life coaching where do you see yourself in five years and obviously your redshift podcast as well yeah so i'm really just enjoying setting up the website i mean it's been a plan that i've had in mind for about three years but i didn't think i'd ever have the time to do it because we were the proposal i put forward to parliament street was to do 200 schools so we were all out as the coaches to do 200 schools this year and help that you know all those people um and then because of everything that's happened we've not been able to so i've totally tried to look at how we can help people in a different way and obviously our demographic is six to 25 year olds because we're trying to prevent mental illness so we're wanting to help parents to help their children um so that's really what my mission is now um going forward we still want to be in the schools we want to go global so uh, my old best friend that moved to australia she's going to be a rest ambassador over there wow that's and amazing yeah, she works in a women's refuge for um, people that have been experienced domestic violence. So obviously that's really close to my heart. So if we can help in refuges and in the future, we're a social enterprise. So we have to put 50% of our profit back into the business or good causes. And the good cause that I want to create is a women's hub where we empower women who've been in domestic violent relationships to set up their own businesses. So we'd have um, guest speakers and um, 
empowering coaches and stuff to come to the hub and encourage them to believe in themselves. Um, what I want to do is similar to what Meghan Markle's done in um, giving people clothes to wear for interviews and things um, because you know when I split up with my partner I hardly had any money and I used to get things from charity shops and stuff and I really found that quite degrading. Now I absolutely love it because it's yeah. all about reduce, reuse, recycle. But excuse me, in those days it was it wasn't very um, sort of accepted, um, and also there wasn't eBay or anything like that then. So uh, I think just having like an area where women can donate like suits and handbags and uh, shoes that the ladies can then uh, rent if they're going for a presentation or um, you know, an interview. Because for me, that feeling good about how I looked was really key, not from an ego state, just from how I felt about myself. And I think acknowledging that and what happens with controlling relationships, often the men don't want you to look nice because they're really jealous of other people looking at you. Yeah. And then... Um, yeah, I got punched in the face once because people were looking at me. So I then had that understanding that I shouldn't look nice in case people look at me. So, you know, it's really, they get into your head so much. So um, it's really important that they can feel empowered to look good. And just, you know, I reckon so many women out there, and it's really sad to hear that the statistics around domestic violence are going up a lot. And it is a worry that I've got, and I, I'm really hoping that we can reach people um, through the membership site. Um, and I do think it's something when we come out of this that is going to be a big issue. Um, so if we can empower women to believe in themselves and try and you know, earn the money to get away from these partners, then that will be really, really good. So that's my ultimate mission, really. And I think that's why we're working hard, aren't we? Because I know sometimes I think that, that I need to earn the money to be able to stand on my two feet to, to be able to, to do what I want. Um, and you find it hard to trust other people. And, and I know that's why I don't like money. I would rather help people and, and be happy. And then you just hope the right, the right one turns up in the end um, and everything. And I think for you, it's about being seen, heard and recognised. It's not egotistical. You're doing it to help people and I think I think that's the difference and that's the nice thing after being like you said in a narcissistic relationship for you to be seen heard and recognized and helping people I think that's so much important to you than the actual money um, and all that life experience you've had has really 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 helped you and, and it's helping other people and I think that's amazing Emily oh thank you Han. thank you so you will so your future then so five years time yeah, so basically, rest easy, we're hoping to be uh, working abroad as well, so have um, contacts over in generally English-speaking countries because it is an English acronym. Um, we're working with NHS Innovations Agency and looking at how we could translate it as well to other countries. Um, and also we're looking at um, delivering how we can deliver it to more businesses. So the angle with businesses is to help staff that are parents because a lot of parents are having time off work to look after their uh, children with mental illness so obviously that has a financial impact on businesses so if we can help businesses to support their staff who are parents that's really important and then obviously schools um, we definitely want to achieve that target of 200 schools and in five years, I really want to be able to build our own house. We've had it as a dream for years. And um, yeah, that's, that's the plan to build a house. I want um, a recording studio in the grounds or, you know, the garden that um, I can do my podcasts, create videos. I really want to write books um, and just kind of, Almost, I feel like the next five years is about being out there and being seen, which was my biggest fear. And then after five years, it's going to be about retreating and doing things behind the scenes a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's been a massive hurdle for me to overcome, to be seen and to be heard. You know, that's why I like doing uh, Redshift, because I had a microphone so people could actually hear me. Um, and I think finding my voice, really, that's been... That's been a really big 
changing point and knowing <laughs> now I've found it, I've got a lot to say. So how I can get that out. So um, yeah, I'm recording meditations. We've just created a rest easy song. So that's going to be uh, launched hopefully the next month or so. And what we're doing is we're going to create a competition for children to create the actions for it. And then hopefully when kids go back to school, they can um, sing it in assembly. Um, wow. If they So what we're hoping to do is get kids to record the action, share it on Facebook, and then the coaches are going to vote, or we might do a poll as to the winner, and then that winner gets their actions done in all the schools. So, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we've I had, uh, actually Tim Lee is doing the song, so he's done the melody, one of the other uh, registered presenters. Yeah, he's a musician, isn't he? He's fantastic yeah. as well. I'm so yeah. glad that's happening for you. Um, we're going to have to put it to a close there. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry that I'm going to have to let you go. Um, I'll speak to you offline in just a second. But thank you so much for sharing um, your story there, Emily. It's been really, really nice to talk to you today. You too. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, and obviously, this this will go on to Captivate, so everybody can can download it. And also, it will be going on the uh, Redshift uh, website, which is www.redshiftonline.org, and also on Captivate FM. We're going to put that for you. So, thank you, Emily, and uh, for participating today. And we're just going to talk to each other online. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. My thanks to Emily Gearing, life coach and founder of the Rest Easy Method. I have learned how Emily's life shaped her, her personal life and it actually motivated her to do things differently and it's led to her finding her purpose in life and her mission is to prevent mental illness and encourage empathy and helping people and she's basically giving that little extra helping hand every time she speaks to somebody every single day. Now join me on the next episode where I'll be finding out and chatting to more inspirational people, hearing their stories and how they make a difference every day by just giving that little bit of extra helping hands. Goodbye for now.